Welcome to the CND Podcast. I'm Naima Kalachand and I'm the clinical editor. This week I spoke to Leila Hambeck, who is the former director of the NPA and is now the chief executive of the Association of Independent Multiple Pharmacies. Hi Leila, thank you so much for joining me today on our coronavirus podcast. What are your thoughts on challenges pharmacists are currently facing at the minute in the COVID-19 pandemic? Well, it's been an unprecedented situation for community pharmacy and I mean, there are tons of evidence to demonstrate that community pharmacy teams have gone over and beyond despite all the challenges to deliver great services in the communities for the patients and uh, um, and, and this period of time on the COVID has actually demonstrated how the society is in need of the services that community pharmacy provides. And this is something that we need to make sure that we maximize on in terms of like demonstrating that look without pharmacy societies would not well, the society would not have been able to, you know, care for patients the way we have stepped in to do so. And what about we've we've seen a lot of news about increase in abuse toward pharmacists and even damage to pharmacy premises. What what are your thoughts on that? I think, yeah, that, you know, some weeks ago we were getting, uh, as an organisation, we were getting quite a lot of reports from across the country from our members raising issues in terms of like, you know, this situation is quite boring for a lot of patients. So they're kind of finding themselves in a, in a territory where they haven't been before in terms of like, for example, coming into the pharmacy one by one because of social distancing or, for example, not uh, the pharmacy not having the, 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 the most common drug like paracetamol on their shelves and that people are not used to all of those, those sort of things and so pharmacists are experiencing quite a lot of abuse in terms of black people shouting and shouting abuse and, and throwing things at them breaking things and, and all of that but we work very hard with you know contractors across the country to capture a lot of this and, and you know highlight it in the, in the media but also we brought it up to the attention of an entertainment and, and uh, we, we said well, look this is happening on the ground and this is not okay and so there were campaigns and messages and all of that out there in terms of like be kind to your you know, the health workers and pharmacists and all that. And we saw also the politicians on television mentioned this as well, which is, uh, which was good to hear. But I think a lot of it, you know, it is my personal view, but I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that a lot of patients that normally wouldn't behave in that way, uh, all of a sudden found themselves in a very foreign territory and that, you know, the sort of things that they were so used to, you know, just going into the pharmacy whenever they wanted to, not having to queue outside, getting one by one in or having passed with them on the sanitizers, all of a sudden are not there. And also surgeries closing, had a, and it had had an impact because people were waiting for prescriptions and then, you know, there were miscommunications and then they arrived in the pharmacy and no prescription has arrived, so things start happening. But as I said, this pharmacy have been handling this really professionally and demonstrated that, look, you know, we are there. And, and this is despite, and I want to say, this is despite all the risks to their own health, um, going into the pharmacy and, and going over and beyond for their patients every day, despite putting themselves having that fear in terms of like catching something and, and so on. And, and that, that needs to be really commended, you know, what pharmacy teams have done. That was a really interesting point that you made. Like these are unprecedented times, so patients are probably reacting in a way that they, you know, they've never done before and pharmacy teams are having to deal with that. And I guess that has a knock-on effect on mental well-being of the pharmacy team as well. Yeah, so uh, it, it, it's not easy when you have already the fears in terms of like risk to your own health and you're going to the pharmacy and you're going over and beyond doing everything you can as a professional and, uh, you know, and you get that sort of abuse from people. It's, it's not easy 
to handle that on top of everything else that you're going through. So obviously, you know, we've seen people being very demotivated and, and upset and angry about the fact that, you know, when things were mentioned out there about, you know, how other healthcare professionals are going over and beyond and some people left out. So it completely justified that a lot of people felt, you know, the sort of anxiety and anger and, and all of that with everything that was going on and not getting that recognition either. Yeah, we, we've seen a lot of examples of pharmacy teams that are, you know, struggling with mental health and anxiety, as you've mentioned. And talking about anxiety around putting themselves at risk and potentially carrying, being carriers of, of the virus. What about them, the supply of PPE to pharmacies at the minute? So we're aware there's quite a lot of shortages and, you know, what, how, how do you think um, pharmacists are being affected by that? Well, it's, it's, you know, we hear on the news all the time that, you know, there's a shortage of PPE. Uh, we have been advised by and just someone that every, everything has been done to ensure that public health England guidelines are followed and, and that uh, pharmacy challenges have been mentioned, challenges pharmacies have been mentioned too. It, it is, you know, one of those things that, you know, we need to, you know, we have been talking about it quite a lot. I mean, this is constantly in the, in the media as well. But it's, it's, a, it's a massive issue for all healthcare professionals in terms of, like, you know, having the relevance and PPE and, 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 and so on. And, you know, and it, it certainly doesn't help with, you know, the situation many, many pharmacists find themselves in um, in terms of, like, going to work every day, being fearful um, what's going to happen today because I haven't got the right you know, protective gear. And, uh, you know, there's been talks about, you know, the two-meter distance and everything, but we, we know that in a normal pharmacy, you know, most pharmacies may not have those two-meter, you know, the, the, the area where you can keep that sort of distance. But, but we are aware of the public health guidelines and um, pharmacies are following them, but it's, it's a chronic issue across the whole country in terms of like PPE and uh, pharmacies is the stuff I'm sort of look at. It's very worrying time for all pharmacy teams at the minute. And then just to kind of touch on, you mentioned about paracetamol stock shortages. And I think a lot of this kind of comes from like fake news about ibuprofen not being effective, leading to people stockpiling and panic buying. Are there any other stock issues which pharmacies are experiencing at the minute? Or have you heard of many other items that are going short? Well, we had uh, some issues in relation to some GP practices prescribing three monthly prescriptions, and all of a sudden you kind of could see that um, some items are being stockpiled. Um, and interesting, and I actually advised that GPs should not be prescribing three monthly prescriptions. Um, but this was happening, and then you know people in 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 a panic mode, uh, like it would be like before a bank holiday, rushing to their pharmacies and trying to stock up on their medicine, uh, getting too much supplies and so on, which then led to quite a lot of issues. For example, there were some antidepressants that were uh, on the shortages list that I, I can, I can, you know, that people were reporting to me. They were saying that inhalers, particularly uh, uh, steroid inhalers, uh, you know, were on, on the shortages list, and that is kind of very common, and, and that is worrying if that sort of you know medicine goes on on the shortages list, and then. Issues in relation to to medical shortages and 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 so on, and, and one of them was obviously the surgeries during the three months prescriptions, uh, which we then again brought to the attention of the England and, and alerted them to it that this is this is happening, so that they could uh, publish further guidance for GP practices. But then again, another issue is as well, um, is that China and India are the biggest suppliers of medicinal substances and you know in ingredients. So basically, you know, with them having issues with their supply, it affects the UK market as well. Yeah. So on top of everything else that, that we were exactly we were going through, we had, you know, that was an issue as well in the background. So. 
So yeah. I did see yesterday in the nice guidance, the new rapid guidelines, they've recommended that prescribers only give like 30 days worth of inhalers or 30 days supply, which is, you know, which is good and hopefully positive, which will reduce some of the pressures uh-huh. on some of the stock shortages that we're having. Yeah. And then just to go back um, a little bit more uh, to what you mentioned about kind of team morale and like feeling negative. We know that pharmacy has been given a bit of a cash injection. Um, you mentioned a few weeks ago that this would have a catastrophic effect on pharmacies because, you know, even though it's a lot of money, it's still an area that's severely underfunded and it could have a negative effect on staff morale. I just wanted to see, you know, do you still stand by this statement or what do you think about this current situation? Yeah, so that's, that's um, the money that was given to, well, not given, loaned to community pharmacy. Obviously, it, it, it was something, at least, but it did not cover, you know, the, you know when you think about it, the, the sector has been cash stopped for a long period of time, and uh, many of the contractors are behind their wholesale bills because of the, you know, the, of the uh, cash flow problems, really. So whilst that bit was, you know, welcome, but it was it was not enough at all in terms of that to, to kind of address the funding issues. So, um, we are working with PSNC in terms of like there are negotiations going on at the moment in terms of like looking at the funding and also the uh, cost for you know that pharmacy contractors have occurred because of managing the whole COVID situation and all of that and, and um, hopefully there will be some more funding in in the part um, soon for uh for, for contractors and then we also highlighted in our statement when the uh, 300 million funding was announced we also highlighted in our statement that. Sam Stevens, the chief executive of NHS England, had actually written a, a note to all primary care people and uh, NHS primary care um, the managers that COVID costs will be uh, funded by the by the government. We are expecting that um, you know that is you know kind of what you know that was a government promise and that they should stick by the promise and and, and cover all the costs that community pharmacists have occurred during this period of time, you know, on top of everything else that they, they, they have had to go through during this, this challenging period. But yeah, of course, when you haven't got the funding, um, we know how, how much stress pharmacy owners are going through at the moment in terms of like, just trying to keep, you know, to keep it there, you know, not, not going under. Do you think that AIMP members are likely to see closures during this time? Well, AIM members are, you know, they, they, we, we are working very closely in terms of like looking at uh, efficiencies and, and they have been very robust in terms of like looking where they can do savings and efficiencies. But like everybody else, they're also suffering in terms of like, you know, uh, there's only so much uh, cost saving you can do. There's only so much that you can take on, uh, so much work that you can take on. And, and you know, for, from our perspective, you know, we have been very good at capturing data in terms of like, you know, our members providing the relevant data around cost and short, you know, shortages and, and stuff like that, that, you know, we believe data is very effective in terms of like showcasing evidence and what's going on and you have to have that data behind you. So we've been very good at capturing that sort of data and they're working very closely with PSNC to uh, give them that data to help them with their negotiation. One kind of final thing I wanted to talk about was, do you think it's fair that pharmacists would be held accountable by law for actions of NHS volunteer responders? Um, so we know that there's been a bit of discrepancy around the statement that was released by the GPHC and RPS. So I just wanted to kind of see your thoughts on that as well. Well, I know that there's been a lot of worries around around the volunteers. And, and as soon as I saw the first, uh, the very first draft about it and the very first uh, comment about it, that this thing is, is going to come out, 
one of the first things that I pointed out was that where does the volunteer responsibility, uh, you know, lie when it comes to volunteers doing doing the work, particularly if they're not DBS direct. But but I, I, you know, we have been reassured that this is being looked into and that guidance is being, you know, developed. And you know, and then there were there were some talks about insurance and, and indemnity uh, to the NHS and, and, and all of these things. So from my perspective we continue raising issues that we hear about and I think it is you know important that countries do understand where the responsibilities lie and where the liability lies and so it's good that all of this has been highlighted because it can then be pushed forward and brought brought up to the attention of the decision making. Yeah and I guess this is just another kind of source of anxiety at the minute for pharmacists um, and what they need to worry about with everything else that's going on. Yeah, well, obviously, a lot of them do, you know, as a pharmacist, you kind of, you want to make sure that everything is, you know, I'm a pharmacist, but, but you know, for background, and, and I do practice, uh, right now, it's obviously been difficult to do that, to be on the front line, because of being handling pregnant, but it's one of those things that when you do, when you go in your pharmacy from the first moment you arrive, you kind of want to do everything right to make sure that the patient is not harmed and that, you know, you go through everything that you have done through the day when you finish work to make sure that no stone has been left unturned in terms of, like, caring for patients and, and all of that. And that comes back to, you know, deliveries as well in terms of, like, have we delivered the right medicine? Have we done the right thing? And so it's constantly on your mind. And if there are, and there are things that are actually worrying you, you will think about it. And you will think about it so where do I lie, you know, where is my reliability lying out of it? So that's why it's so important to, you know, close all the loopholes and, um, and and kind of give pharmacists the sort of reassurances that what they need to be doing is, is not going to kind of end up coming back and, and, and haunt them. And so therefore it's very important that this is, you know, this is being um, sent back and that, uh, you know, I'm aware that GPS and RPS are, are looking at, at, the, at the guidance at the moment. Yeah, I think that, you know, it's important that pharmacists are getting clear messaging around this and that they're feeling reassured. Yeah. Um, I think that's a good point that you made. Alaya, thank you very much. That was all very interesting. No worries at all, Mama. Thank you. That was Leila Hambeck talking about the impact of COVID-19 on community pharmacy. Pharmacists have been facing many challenges during the pandemic and we've heard lots of distressing stories, but we thought we'd share some more positive stories with you from our readers. A GP based in Doncaster said, To all of those pharmacists who offer an alternative suggestion when a drug is out of stock, you are the real heroes. BBC Breakfast reported that This Mom Runs, a Bristol-based mom's running club, is no longer running together but running to deliver medicine to the vulnerable people who can't make it to the pharmacy. And contractor Olivier Picard said their pharmacy had just had an Olympic assortment of biscuits from a patient to say thank you for being open. If you'd like to share any positive stories, please tweet us at Chemist and Druggist. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe to CND Podcasts on iTunes or your preferred Android app. Thank you for listening.